Thanks for joining Kelly Dry's Ad Law Access podcast. Today, you've got Elisa Hutnick, and I'm a partner in our privacy group at Kelly Dry, and we've also got... I'm Carmen Heinbaugh, and I am an associate in our privacy group. And today, because we are covering privacy, you will not be shocked to hear that we are covering California privacy. And while there, in our view, there is always a lot of interesting uh, developments happening in the state, today we are focusing on the latest development of CIPRA, the California Privacy Rights Act ballot initiative that we learned last week got enough votes and the Secretary of State said and confirmed that CIPRA will be on the ballot in the fall, meaning it's going to give the opportunity to California residents, California voters, to be able to vote on expanding the existing, very comprehensive and new CCPA to add even more rights and more obligations uh, for for businesses in, in the state when it comes to handling personal information of California residents. And for those who uh, like some light reading, I highly encourage the very thick uh, verbatim on, on CIPRA. But if you are looking for maybe just a, just a, you know, some initial highlights, that's what today's podcast is about. And while we are uh, optimists in our group, we're going to focus on first, what are some of the silver linings, some positive takeaways if you're on the compliance side and as you look at CIPRA and think about all the efforts you did to get your CCPA compliance in shape and now you're going to need to make, potentially make some changes depending on what happens in in the fall. So we're going to focus on what some of those positive takeaways are, as well as highlights from some of the particular pain points. And we may ultimately do a series where we pick out certain, uh, drill down into certain more specific topics within CIPRA. But for today, we're going to focus on a few snapshots to, to keep in mind and to chew on. And I would say the first one, Carmen, the exemptions, right? I mean, that is that the extension of the B2B and the employee exemption is a big uh, silver lining. Can you talk to us about what those exemptions are and what they mean for businesses? Sure, absolutely. Right now, the CCPA has exemptions for employee data and for B2B data, as you mentioned. Um, so the employee exemption right now provides that data collected from employees in the course of that person acting as an employee and used in the context of employment is exempted from many of the provisions under CCPA. Similarly, there's a B2B exemption for business to business contact. So to be clear, these exemptions aren't uh, wholesale. There are still some parts of CCPA that apply to these types of data. Um, and certainly, if you have any questions, um, you can contact us at kellydry.com um, to talk through those. But they do, for the most part, exempt these types of information from the CCPA requirements. And Carmen, one of the things that I was thinking that is helpful to know now that the CIPRA ballot initiative would extend these exemptions, because I'm hearing from a number of clients wondering they've done the CCPA compliance work for consumers, but they haven't done it in some cases for the employee data because of the exemption. And so 
the questions were, do we get started on that? That could be actually a pretty hefty exercise. And to know that this may be around the corner to give a bit more breathing room on addressing employee privacy obligations uh, was, a, was a helpful thing to know given the, the lean resources, particularly during COVID times. And I would say the same as to the B2B exemption. It's funny, I, I will say to be clear, there's actually not too much that is clear about the B2B exemption because it's not, uh, it, it's not drafted as neatly as the employee exemption, but it's still better than nothing. And I think it's just maybe a good reminder to look carefully at that language and think about exactly what circumstances it would apply and what circumstances it actually may not apply. So just some, some good takeaways there. Right, and just one thing to note, I don't think that we mentioned the date to which it is extended. So um, CIPRA would extend the current exemptions until January 1, 2023. Right, so January 2023, you know, that's a decent amount of time. So that's, that's exciting, except when we look at some of the restrictions in CIFRA against amendments or changes to any of the rights, the privacy rights that are in the ballot initiative. And so I think we can look at that and say, there's no further extension beyond that date just because of all the restrictions in CIFRA. So uh, that would be the end of, of the extensions, but a decent amount of time until then to at least address the privacy considerations Although it does make you think if the B2B exemption is not going to be extended, um, whether there may be some challenges there on um, whether that, that restriction in the ballot initiative could, could reasonably apply uh, in that, to that circumstance. Um, are those privacy rights the same as, for example, consumer California resident privacy rights? But that's an issue for another day. Uh, what are some of the other silver linings? And I, I kind of, I'll tee this up for you. We know that one of the top three issues when it comes to CCPA is, is there a sale? And is there a sale in particular when it comes to online advertising issues? So how does CIPRA affect that issue? Does it add any clarity? Right, so CIPRA adds quite a bit of clarity regarding what many businesses uh, have have taken issue with, which is the concept of providing information um, where there is no monetary consideration involved. And so CIPRA adds the concept of sharing. And sharing really is when a business provides a consumer's personal information for con cross-context behavioral advertising, whether or not monetary or valuable consideration is involved. So this provides a lot of clarity. So for those companies who are looking at CCPA and interest-based advertising and not sure if that was a sale, what we see, so it sounds like from CIPRA is, regardless of whether you thought it was a sale or not, it is sharing. And so what comes along with that are some disclosure and opt-out obligations. I thought it was particularly uh, unattractive to think about how many links are going to need to be at the bottom of companies' websites, because now it's not just a do not sell my info link, which is quite a bit of words, but it's a do not sell my info and sharing link. Is that right, Carmen? 
Yep, that's right. So it would be do not sell or share my personal information would be the link. And just to note, there are certainly some exceptions to this, just as there is with the concept of sale currently under CCPA. So for example, if a consumer is directing the business to uh, intentionally disclose the personal information for the purposes of cross-context behavioral advertising, then that would be an exception. That's really interesting because if you tie that with the recent change from Apple announcing that the IDFA, the advertising identifier, the default setting now is going to be opt out. So consumers would literally need to opt in to be tracked using Apple, uh, an Apple device. And if you think about that, that's an opt in. So under a CIPRA, for example, um, that, that may not be a share or a sale. So interesting on how industry changes in response or alongside a lot of these privacy law developments really shape (laughs) to what extent some of these um, legal changes may be painful or or not quite so much. Uh, So to be be determined. I think the other point on sale that was kind of interesting to think through this was how service providers in that business purposes when it comes to is it a sale is it not what is the service provider doing with that data to be on the right side or the wrong side of that line now with the clarity on that sharing and that it really is limited to cross context uh interest-based advertising essentially um then what about all of the other ad tech right some of the analytics and it almost seems like in that case uh the ag regulations come into play, at least until there's future regulations under CIPRA, perhaps. So moving on, what, Carmen, are some of the other, we'll say, positive points to to take away from CIPRA? So one thing to note is that CIPRA really is going to do a good job at exempting smaller businesses. So currently under CCPA, a business has to meet one of three threshold requirements. And one of these requirements is that the business buys, shares, or sells the personal information of more than 50,000 California consumer house, consumers, households, or devices. CIPRA increases that threshold number to 100,000 consumers or households and removes the concept of devices from that threshold. So that will do a good job at um, limiting the number of small businesses that will be required to comply with the CIPRA requirements. So that's helpful if you're a small business. I guess the practical aspect of that is if you're a small business that is working with any larger business, I imagine that just via contract terms, uh, some of the CCPA, you can't be oblivi- oblivious to CCPA. I would imagine some of those um, larger businesses, they've got their obligations around do not sell. And so I still think small businesses are probably going to feel some of that, but at least perhaps uh, not in the that direct line of as a business and all those primary responsibilities. Are there any other highlights, kind of positive things that you saw? I know we'll do another podcast going into some of the other details, but any other any other takeaways? Sure. And this one is really going to scratch the surface of kind of a much larger topic, as you've mentioned. So CIPRA imposes a number of direct obligations on service providers. 
And one of those is a direct obligation to assist with rights requests, which is currently a big pain point under CCPA. So SIPR will mandate that the service providers cooperate, assist with deletion um, and limiting the use of um, sensitive personal information, which is a concept that we'll get into in a second, in a way that CCPA does not currently require. And that I think will be a big benefit to businesses to be able to have some kind of statutory language to, to, to go back on. That, that's a good point. And that is something that we are seeing where the CCPA really puts the primary responsibilities and risk onto the business. And in responding to rights requests, sometimes a business does need to lean on a service provider or direct a service provider to assist. And I think for the most part, companies are cooperating and in good faith, but we have seen some examples where the service provider essentially will not be as cooperative. So it is the clarity now with, with CIPRA uh, to, to facilitate uh, everybody rowing in the same direction certainly is helpful. All right, now moving on to some of the pain points. Carmen, what's one of the pain points that comes to mind in particular? So I just mentioned this concept of sensitive data, um, sensitive personal information, and that is something that CIPRA adds. It's a concept that's kind of similar to um, a concept in GDPR in the EU, but there is this new category of sensitive personal information. It's a broad category, and it includes quite a number of data elements, for example, biometric information, racial and ethnic origin, precise location, and businesses that are collecting sensitive personal information are going to be required to notify the consumer of those personal information categories at the time of collection. And also, they're going to be required to provide a link where consumers can go to direct the business to use the sensitive personal information only for the purposes necessary to perform the service. That link will have to say, limit the use of my sensitive personal information. So going back to the concept of the multiple links at the bottom, this is one more link that businesses are gonna have to put on their page. Multiple links with a whole lot of words. <laughs> so <laughs> quite a few links, maybe website footers will have to be expanded just to account for the California type disclosures. Are there other notice related new obligations that come from CIPRA? The notice at collection generally has been expanded and one primary point to note is that businesses now need to notify consumers of the retention period for each category of information in that notice at collection. That's something that we haven't seen in CCPA, so it will require just a little bit more legwork for the business, I think. And that also gets us a lot closer to what a GDPR European privacy framework uh, looks like. So that would be a, an interesting development. Um, I was thinking also one of the burdens comes to that new right of right to correct uh, information. We're seeing now under CCPA some of the steps involved in producing information in response to a, a right to know. If in response to that, the consumer then makes a, under CIPRA, would make a request to correct. And just thinking through companies' obligations on that, 
particularly when you think about the discrimination provision of CCPA and you can't discriminate against somebody for exercising their rights. But I can also think about all the, the ways in which a right to correct um, could be exploited. <laughs> and so it, you know, that's, I do see that as a pain, it's a future pain point, but working through how companies are going to have a, a confidence to, to be able to address those rights without running afoul on one side or the other. So that, that's a to be determined. Right. And that's another place where we're getting a little bit closer to a GDPR type law in this in CIFRA, we'll see that there are a number of concepts that are borrowed from other international laws. For example, data minimization, where businesses really should only collect personal information to the extent necessary. And the requirement to disclose retention periods speaks to that, um, that data minimization. Right, right. The, the other thing, maybe just to, to close it out, I thought will be particularly impactful to businesses was the right to cure. Uh, there was, there's a decent amount of ambiguity in a number of the CCPA regulations, but I think what always balanced that was this concept of if the attorney general were to allege that a company has violated one of those provisions, there still was that right to cure, right? An opportunity to fix whatever was the issue. I think the scary part about CIPRA is it takes away that right to cure the privacy side. It limits it to the data security side. And it's, it's the privacy series of regulations where we just don't have the benefit of all the guidance that one would get, for example, in GDPR. Um, in the lead up to GDPR, we've got a much more compressed cycle of what the attorney general has said or, or not said um, in response to some of the provisions. So, that, that certainly will be something to watch. So I think um, we, will, we will close this out for now, but it certainly raises the, uh, the need to do a deeper dive on some of these issues. So I will note that for listeners of the podcast, if there are particular issues within CIPRA or CCPA that you would love to hear more discussion about, please feel free to email us. We're, we're happy to hear our contact information is on kellydry.com. But for now, thank you so much for listening to our AdLaw podcast. And for more information, you can go to our blog, adlawaccess.com, where we do cover a whole lot of CCPA topics, as well as our AdLaw and Privacy Law Resource Center, which is on the footer of Kelly Dry's website. So thanks so much.